Now I want you to look in your Bibles real quickly. Flip over to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. We found out in the first letter, in the first letter that Paul wrote to Thessalonica, he said that the Lord is coming back. He's going to come back. The trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. We're going to, we which are alive and remain, that's those that are saved and, and listen, are alive when, when Jesus comes back. We're going up to be with him. Say amen. There is two things you need to get. There is the rapture of the church and the return of Christ. It's two different events. It's two different events. You need to understand that because many people, when they study prophecy, they get confused. Uh, there is coming a time when Jesus is going to come in the air. He's going to come in the air and he's going to take us up to be with him. All right, that is the rapture of the church. Then there's going to be seven years of hell on earth. The tribulation period is going to begin and the judgment of mankind is going to begin here on earth. Then at the end of that, Jesus is coming to return and set foot on this earth. If, that, if you understand that, say amen. Now listen, I want to talk to you just a little bit this morning about what's going to happen What's going to take place? What do uh, uh, the people that are left behind at the rapture, when the rapture takes place, the Bible says two will be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two shall be uh, grinding at a meal, one shall be taken and the other left. There'll be people in a car, one shall be taken and the other left. There'll be people at the grocery store, there'll be people in church and some will be taken and the others left. Listen, we're gonna, we're gonna, there's going to be a division. What's going to happen here on earth? What's going to happen? The first thing I want you to see, number one, I want you to see the person that they face. The person that they face, those that are left behind. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul is writing it, the second letter because somebody had sent a false letter to Thessalonica in the name of Paul that was teaching a truth or teaching a false doctrine. They were telling the people that you're already in that day. You're already in the day of the Lord or in the tribulation period. And Paul said, that's not true. That's not true. And this is what he begins to say. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. He is calming them and he's encouraging them. He said, don't be afraid because one day we're going to be raptured out. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. The son of perdition. There's only two people in the Bible that that phrase was used for. One was Judas and one was the Antichrist. Son of perdition, all right? Only two people, help me, help me, only two people in the Bible, only two people in the Bible does it ever say that Satan entered, and that was Judas and the Antichrist. So they go hand in hand, the son of perdition or destruction. It says this, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. Watch this now. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let. The word letteth means hold back, to restrain, to hold back. He that now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way, and then shall that wicked be revealed. 
whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. I want to tell you this. The Bible says the mystery of iniquity doth already work. And he that now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Here is what I believe the Bible is teaching. There is a restraining force in the earth right now. You say, well, it's, listen, we've never seen wickedness like this before. It's never been this wicked. Yes, it has. It's always been wicked. The demonic forces of the devil has always been influencing in the earth. But there has been a restraining force called the Holy Ghost. Say amen. Listen, there was a restraining uh, force there in Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and they could not do anything till Lot was taken out of that place. There is a restraining force right now, today as we speak, the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's influence was not in the earth today, you think it is wicked now. You think it is evil now. You think it is dangerous now. You have never seen the day when the Holy Spirit's influence is taken away from the earth. Slowly slowly God is withdrawing that spirit. God is withdrawing that restraining uh, power, that restraining force. And when the rapture takes place, when the rapture takes place, the spirit of God, the restraining force is going to be taken completely away, that influence that he has. And when that takes place, then the Antichrist can step forward. If you'll see, if you'll see Revelation chapter number 6, the Bible said, I saw seven seals. I saw seven seals, and when the first seal was opened, I saw a white horse, and he that rode on it had a bow in his hand, and crowns were given unto him. Listen, that is a representation of the Antichrist. He does not have an arrow. He has a bow, which represents a false peace. There are two white horse riders in the book of Revelation, one in Revelation 6 and one in Revelation 19. The Antichrist is the Antichrist. God, or the devil, has a substitute for everything God has. And the Antichrist is the devil's substitute for Jesus Christ. He is the false Christ. He's going to come as a hero. He is a beguiling deceiver. The Bible says he's going to come with diplomacy. He's going to come as a politician. He's going to come with lies and deceit. And the Bible says even if the elect were here, they would believe him. He's going to have a reason that all of these millions of people have disappeared. He's going to have an excuse. He's going to have an answer to everybody's problems. He's going to be the one who brings peace in the Middle East. He is going to sign a peace covenant, a peace contract with Israel. And everybody's going to say, wow, where have you been all our lives? Listen, everybody's tried. Every president in the United States has tried to bring peace in the Middle East. It won't happen. It will not happen. The only one that can bring real peace is the, is the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. But the devil's going to offer a false peace, and he's going to sign a peace treaty. He's going to sign a covenant. Even the nation of Israel is going to think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. He's a deceiver. He's a deceiver. He's the Antichrist. He's the politician who's going to step forward and lie to the whole world. But then we see he's not only a beguiling deceiver, but B, he's a brutal dictator. The Bible says the next seal that's open is the red seal. This is Revelation chapter number 6. The red seal is open, and, and it is a red horse, which represents war. In the midst of those seven and a half years, he's going to break the covenant with Israel and attack Israel, and there's going to be war upon this earth like no man has ever seen since the beginning of time. Wars and rumors of wars. Wars tribe against tribe, nation against nation, brother against brother. There's going to be bloodshed like never before. He will reveal his true character. Listen, he's coming. I believe he's breathing the same air we're breathing. Amen. 
well, where's he at? It, you say, and some people say, some people say, well, it must be Obama. It's not Obama. It's not Obama. I mean, you can look on the Internet and they can give you 57 reasons why he's the Antichrist. I can tell you he's not the Antichrist because the Bible said he's not going to step forward till we're gone. Hallelujah. He can't. He can't be revealed till the rapture of the church takes place. But then, then we see, not only do we see the person they face, the Antichrist is real. He's going to be real. But I want you to see the plan that they forsook. The Bible says... In this same chapter in 2 Thessalonians. It says when he's revealed, when he steps forward and begins his deception, he begins his lies and revealing what he believes is the hope for the world. It, and by the way, have you noticed how many times the word global is being used in the, in the media today? It's not, it's not continental, it's global now. Everybody's coming together. Anyhow, verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Now watch this. In them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth. I've had people tell me, I've had people tell me, oh preacher, oh preacher, don't worry about it. After the rapture takes place, then I will believe and then I will trust. No, you won't. Because according to those verses, if you have heard the gospel, if you have had a chance to receive Christ as your personal Savior here on this earth before the rapture takes place, if you've had the opportunity, you've heard the gospel clearly, and you rejected Christ and did not receive Him, according to this verse, God is going to send a strong delusion, and you're going to believe the lie of the Antichrist and be damned. Why? Because you forsook the plan of God. How could a loving God send anybody to hell? A loving God has never sent one person to hell. A loving God has never sent one person to hell. But a loving God sent His only begotten Son to hell on Calvary so we could escape hell. I don't even want to hear that loving God stuff. Listen, he loved you enough that he gave up his own son. I wouldn't give up all four of my daughters or one of them for nobody in this room. But Jesus gave, listen, his life. The Father gave his only begotten son for not good people, but sinners and rapists and murderers and people who did not even care. They were nailing him to the cross. Jesus died for them. Church, say amen. Listen, the plan they forsook. There's two things I want you to see about this plan. It was a plan of escape. It was a plan of escape. Judgment's coming. God knows judgment's coming. God always has a plan. Judgment was coming on this earth. The flood was coming. And God, the Bible says, spoke to Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God said, I'm going to destroy man upon this earth. I'm going to destroy all of them. Every thought and, and, and imagination of their heart is wicked exceedingly. I'm going to destroy them and start all over. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And because of the grace of God, God provided a way of escape. 
God said, Noah, I want you to build an ark because there's going to be a rain shower. Say amen. He provided a way of escape. And every time judgment has come upon this earth, God has provided a way of escape. Judgment is coming to this earth in that seven-year tribulation. Listen, mankind will be judged beyond your even imagination. But thank God, we can escape. There's a plan of escape. How do you know we can escape? Well, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 1.10, And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, watch this, which delivered us from the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians 5.9. Now watch this. This is very important that you get this. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That tribulation period is a time of wrath. It's a time when God's wrath will be poured out upon mankind because of their unrepentant heart and their wicked and evil ways. But the Bible says we're not appointed to wrath. That's why in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, he said, The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Why? We're getting out. Amen. Turn and look at your neighbor and say, We're getting out. Amen. We're getting out. Say, preacher, this tribulation scares me. It don't scare me because I ain't going to be here. Amen. I'm going to be around the throne and I'm going to see the four beasts that are crying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. I'm going to be in that crowd that's singing, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive glory and power. Amen. I'm not waiting around for the Antichrist. I'm going out on the first trip. Say amen. I got to go preach a funeral. In a couple of days, and, and my grandmother's in heaven now. She's with my, she's with my granddad. She's in a bad way, and, and I'm not sorry for her. I'm not sorry for her. I'm shouting. I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing. She was in pain. She was hurting. Found out she had cancer all over the place, all down her spine, and, and just in a bad way, couldn't walk, in, in, in unbelievable pain all the time. But right now, she's got brand-new legs. She's, listen, listen, she's walking up and down the streets of glory. She's having a big time. And one day, one day, I'm going to see her again at the rapture. The Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Listen, they got six feet to go. They're going to come up. We're going to meet together. We're going to be with the Lord in the air. I need a witness right there. Amen. This is a plan of escape. We see the plan, the exit plan. How many of y'all glad God gave us an exit plan? An exit plan. MB, I want you to see it's an explained plan. He explained how it's going to happen. He explained how it's going to happen. He said, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. And we're going to rise to meet him. And we're going to be together again. If you ever, if you ever get one of those, if you ever get one of those handbooks for ambassadors, when an ambassador goes to a foreign country and they represent their home country, it says if there's ever a time of danger, there's ever a time of difficulty and danger, they will be airlifted out. I need a witness. Amen. That ought to make every Baptist in here shout. Amen. Say, preacher's getting bad. It's going to get worse. But before it sure enough gets bad, Is this scary? No, I'm not looking for a hole in the ground. I'm looking for a hole in the sky. I'm looking for an upper taker, not an undertaker. And it's coming. But let me tell you something. You don't know when that's going to be. Before 
I finish this message, we could be gone. You don't really believe that, boy. Yeah, I do. I'm praying for it to come. I'm tired of this garbage down here. I'm ready for his return. Church, say amen. We see the person they faced, the plan they forsook, number three. Number three, the peril they find. The peril they find. This is important. Don't miss this. There's three things we see. Three things we see in verse 10 and 11. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the truth that they might be saved. You have an opportunity today to be saved. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you're in that grace period. You're in that time. It's okay. It's not too late. You're breathing air. You're hearing the gospel. You can trust Jesus today. But if you don't, and you're left behind, the Bible says, verse 11, And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be, that they all might be three things. I want you to write these three things down underneath this point. Three things that I want to share with it, and we'll pray. First, there's going to be a delusion. God is going to send a strong delusion, a strong, confusing spirit. Because you had an opportunity and you rejected Christ when you could have. B, there's going to be damnation. Your fate will be sealed. It will be all said and done. There's no parole in hell. There's no appeals at the great white throne judgment. There's no leniency when Jesus is on the throne of judgment. Then we see not only delusion, but we see damnation. Then we see destruction like nobody could ever fathom. I want to read. I want you to write that down and then look up at me and just listen real good just a minute. In Revelation chapter number 6, I want to, I want to read just a, a few verses and please just follow along with me. Just follow along. Just look up at me and I want your divine attention. I don't do this much and this is just a serious message and I want you to get this. Amen. Revelation chapter number 6 and verse number 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals and I heard as it were the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts say, come and see. And I saw and behold a white horse and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. This is an image of the Antichrist. He is coming as a politician. He's coming with diplomacy. He's coming with an answer for the, 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 the problems of the world, the financial crisis of the world, the, the, the warfare crisis of the world. He's got an answer. The Bible says there's a bow in his hand which represents a false peace, a false uh, power, a false authority. This rider is a counterfeit because it is linked to judgment as with the other riders. The prince that shall come, the Antichrist, will come on a white horse promising peace, copying Christ. But his ultimate goal will be to conquer through deception. He will sign a covenant of peace with Israel and the people of the world will say along with them, peace and safety. That's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Isaiah 28 verse 14 and 15 declares, This covenant is made to guarantee the security, uh, uh, but is called by God a covenant of hell. Daniel 9, 24 and 26. It is signed by the Antichrist, the prince that shall come. Matthew 24, 4 through 5 gives the same type of warning without, about deception at the beginning of the tribulation period. 
Donald Barnhouse comments, the one whose name is the Word of God, in Revelation chapter 19, has on his head many crowns. The horseman of the first seal wears no diadem. The false crown is the Stephanos crown, is the Greek word Stephanos. The weapon of this rider is the bow. The Lord of glory is quite differently armed. He carries a sharp sword, and with it he will smite the nation. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't get Revelation 19 white horse rider and Revelation 6 white horse rider mixed up. The first one is a false one. Say that with me. The first one is a false one. He comes as a politician, but then his true, his true description is revealed. It says in verse 4, Verse 4, or excuse me, 3. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. God is going to allow him a temporary power, a temporary authority to be able to bring war upon this earth. Peace will be removed from the earth when the second seal is broken. Revelation 6 through 19 teaches that there will be no peace or safety for the unsaved from the time the second seal until the second coming of Christ. Paul's teaches, now the second coming is when he comes to this earth in physical bodily form. Paul teaches in 1 Thessalonians 5, and it states that the day of the Lord will begin when the world claims to have peace and safety. So the day of the Lord must begin before the second seal is broken for the period of false peace and security that existed before the tribulation is then removed. The Antichrist comes promoting peace by deception, but then conquering and to conquer. The people that will not bow down to him, the people that will not submit to his authority, the people that will not submit to his power, he will destroy. He will bring the sword and destroy them. Listen, the Antichrist, he's real. The prophet Amos describes his spirit as if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him and went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Inescapable disasters will escalate in intensity throughout the seven-year tribulation period. The third seal. We saw the white horse rider. Then we see the red horse rider, which represents war and blood. Listen, destruction and death. Then the third seal. The third seal, verse 5. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see, thou hurt not the wine and the oil. In Joel chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Now watch this. Beat your plowshares into swords. In other words, all of your farm equipment. Turn it into war equipment. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. When you take all of your technology and you take all of your wisdom and all of your ability and all of your resources to create a war machine, Nobody's farming. You're killing the men who could be farming. Then there's going to be a great food shortage. The third seal brings a worldwide famine, which often comes as a consequence of war. Worldwide economic troubles. Verse 6. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures, a quart of wheat for a denarius, and a three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil or the wine. This shows that we will still be using oil for an energy resource. Since no one would be able to buy or sell without the mark, <coughs> there, is no, there is need to have commerce continue. 
With all the pursuits of new energy sources, the Bible shows oil will be valuable. This means that we sh we, uh, what we see today, despite the conflicts of prices, it will still be available. It also means that it will be within a nearer time period than when we may think since oil is still the energy source we use. Some say the oil reserves can be used up in 40 years. This excludes finding new oil drills. What does that say? We're close. We're close. There's going to be famine. There's going to be shortage. Listen, the, the food shortage, and, and you're already seeing that. Part of the, part of the reason that, that you saw what you saw in Egypt was because of the economy and because of the inflation and the prices of food. That's what caused the uprising that began everything there in Egypt and Cairo. It was because of food. Listen, the Bible says in verse 7, And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And the power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth, a quarter of the earth, to kill with sword and with hunger, with death, and with the beasts of the earth. I want you to see this. Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of of sorrows. One-fourth of the world's population will die. The population is destroyed by the sword or war. It's destroyed by famine, pestilence, destroyed by wild animals. Once food becomes rare, wild animals will come out to attack man for food or have them as food. Three ways that we're going to see it. Wildlife, weather, and warfare. In the judgment of mankind, there's going to be an extensive extensive hand of God upon this earth. And I want, I want to share this with you just a moment. We're going to pray. I don't want you to leave out of here and say, what a, what a horrible God we have. Why would He be doing that? There's three sets of judgments. The seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the vile judgments. Amen. In the midst of all three, He takes a moment break in between to give mankind a chance to repent. To give mankind an opportunity to turn back to Him. This is not just to punish man. This is not just to say, look what I can do. You're little and I'm big. This is not just so God can show off who He is. God is trying to get mankind, His creation, to turn back to Him. And with every judgment He has ever brought upon this earth, there's always an opportunity of repentance. There's always an opportunity of deliverance. And He will stop in the midst of all three and give mankind a chance to, to repent and do right and come back to Him. And according to the Word of God, they never do. Even though they knew the truth, they remained unrepentant. So the... Judgments increased in intensity all the way up until the return of Christ. Preacher, what do we need to look through this? I'll tell you two things I would love to see happen today. I would love to see people who don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I would love to see them come and accept Him today. I would love to see them come receive the plan of salvation today. I would love to see them come and believe in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior because it's so easy. Amen. It's so easy. We got an escape plan. And the benefits are out of this world. Amen. Why would you not 
Why would you, why would you ignore it? Man sitting on his roof during the flood. Man sitting on his roof during the flood. A guy comes by in a rowboat. says, come on, come on. He says, no, I'm praying that God will deliver me. Another man comes by in an airboat because it's done got swift now. He says, come on, come on. He said, no, I'm praying God will deliver me. Well, it got so bad they came and sent a helicopter. Dropped the, dropped the ladder down and the man sitting on his roof and he says, come on, come on. He said, no, I'm praying God will deliver me. Flood killed him. He's standing before God. He's standing before God. And he says, God, I thought you would deliver me. He said, I sent a rowboat, I sent an airboat and a helicopter. Son, what do you want? Let me tell you something. We got a plan. And it works. So how do you know you're not going to hell? Because in John 14, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If everyone I saw would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And there was an old boy there that was kind of confused about it, didn't know what in the world was happening. He said, well, hey, where are you going? How are we going to know how to get there? Jesus said, that's very simple. Listen, Oprah needs to get this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's not many roads to heaven. There's one road. It's a narrow road. It's a narrow road. The Bible says, wide is the gate. Broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, but narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. You say, how narrow is that word? That road is about that narrow right there. You say, you're too narrow-minded. I'm about as narrow-minded as that book. That book has never lied to me. That book has always told me the truth. That book has always helped me in the midst of all of my problems. And I'm telling you, it's worked for me. It's worked for the people around me. It'll work till Jesus comes. This book will tell you how to live, and this book will tell you how to die. Somebody say amen. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I want to see two things out of today. I want to see people trust Christ. Amen. So how do I do that? Very simple. Very simple. Very simple. At this altar, at this altar, or at your chair, doesn't matter. You've got to understand three things. Number one, that you're a sinner. Well, I've been a good person, preacher. I've been in church my whole life. Have you ever told a lie? Even a little one? You say, no, you just told one. Well, I've never killed nobody, and I've never, I've never drunk anything, and I've never even smoked a cigarette, and I've never even dipped Copenhagen, and I've, I haven't gone here or there, and I haven't even danced before. You'd be amazed at what you hear. People gauge their salvation on what they haven't done. Problem is, it's not what you haven't done. It's what you, yeah, it is. You haven't trusted him. The Bible says they were zealous in Romans. They were zealous of their own religion. They were zealous of God, but they didn't. They were according to their own knowledge. They had no true, no clue what the truth was. And you got to admit you're a sinner. You can't get saved till you get lost. 
You don't go to the doctor till you're sick. Right? And if you've ever told a lie, you're a sinner. You're guilty of them all, according to the Bible. If you've broken one commandment, you're guilty of them all. We're all sinners. So, preacher, you got Bible for that? Yes. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's all. All is me and you. All have sinned. There's none righteous, no, not one. Number two, you've got to believe that Jesus died to pay for your sin. Because sin has to be paid for. God is a righteous, holy judge. Sin had to be paid for. I know this is being oversimplifying, but I want you to clearly get this. God cannot just sweep sin under the rug. It has to be paid for. The Bible says uh, uh, that the wages of sin is, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good gracious. I got to die to pay for my sins. I got good news. But God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, while you was doing the sinning, But God commended the word commended means put on display. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. You mean to tell me you don't have to die? No, he already did. He died for us. Well, then what do I need to do to get it? The way of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Here it is. Here it is. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Brother Mickle, is it that simple? It's that simple. You don't have to say a fancy prayer. You don't have to go to theological school. You don't have to be confirmed. You just got to come to him. Say, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Would you forgive me? Is it that simple? The thief on the cross said this, Lord, remember me. That's all he said. Two words. Remember me. And Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I want to see people saved today. Then, and the second thing. I want to see us Christians motivated to go get somebody here this weekend to hear the gospel. Because your best buddy that you fish with, you golf with, that you hunt with, that you go to the races with, whatever it is, may miss out on heaven because you never told them. And I don't know what else to do to motivate you to get busy whether it's the joy of them getting saved or the fear of them missing out. I don't care which one it takes, but let's go get them. Church, say amen.